Hey kids, welcome. It's another exciting episode of your favorite tire fire, the hillbilly and his hipster. My name's Chad McCool and joined with me as always, although I don't think he could speak, is my brother from another mother, Andy Crow. Andy, what's going on down there in Kentucky? Breathe. Oh, I suck so much air and I didn't think I could breathe for a second. Oh, I wasn't ready for that. That's a good intro. We're going to save that one. <laughs> uh, the who tire fire, here we come. <laughs> Ooh, what's going on, thought, brother? How are you? I thought I'd, I thought I'd mix it up a little bit Not today. I, next time I'll do it in my NPR voice. <laughs> oh, if you could do that in your NPR voice, game on. <laughs> So uh, I know this is late and I'm going to get in trouble for doing this, but to our viewers do out it. there. Don't do it. This past week was our one and only Chad McCool's birthday. I it believe was. he turned 67. So that's 66. Uh, 66. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. No. So it, it's funny. I say that you're, you're not that old. I don't think. Um, Mom's birthday was Tuesday. Yeah, mine was um, Thursday. Yeah, so mom's birthday was Tuesday. Um, and she works in my office now. She's one of our secretaries. And so, I, you know, I don't normally go into the office on Tuesdays. I work from home Monday and Tuesday. But I, I go in because I got subpoenaed for court. That's always fun. And so I'm going into the office to get my stuff for court. And mom's sitting at her desk. I was like, hey, happy birthday, mom. And so everybody in the office was like, oh, happy birthday, Rhonda. And, you know, uh, and somebody was like, well, how old are you? And before she could answer, I was like, 61. She's and not people, 61. She's not. Um, but people almost believed it. And were like, wow, you look good for your age. And just started to walk off. And mom was like, Andy Crow. And I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. But no, I think she's like 56. Your mom's going to kill you. Yep. Well, Andy, yep. speaking of birthdays, um, there is a birthday coming up, August 4th. Does that date mean anything to you? This was not in my pre-show notes, and I feel like it should mean something to me. It should. It should. It should. It's a very important date in our relationship. Don't check your calendar, because I guarantee you it's not in there. It's not. I was going to Google it. Um, is that the when we kicked off our first episode? That is correct. That is. You win right. the big prize. That's we right. Birthday coming up. All right. August 4th, 2022 was the release of the first episode of the Hillbilly and the Hipster. I am going to get a cake on August 4th now. We should. We should both have a cake. We could have a little birthday party episode. I just want to eat cake, but yeah, that, that'll work. <laughs> yeah. So our first anniversary, August 4th. So I'm just going to say this, if you are a, a listener to this podcast and we do appreciate you um, very much on, on Twitter, um, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Hill hipster pod. Use the hashtag tire fire. Hashtag tire fire. Cause that is what we are. My friend. And tell us how you started listening, and we will randomly pick two of you that use hashtag TireFire and tell us well, how you started listening to this podcast, and we will send you some really exclusive 
hillbilly and hipster hillbilly and the hipster t-shirts yeah, we, a t-shirt. it's not uh, it's not blacksmith you know apparel but it is hillbilly and hipster apparel that's right so we have some we have some great uh some great t-shirts and we so we'll randomly pick two of you if you use that hashtag tire fire reach out to us on twitter at hill hipster pod tell us how you started listening to us and you can you can rock a hillbilly and hipster t-shirt out there in the real world i like it hey just Should a completely be- random side note my watch started vibrating meaning somebody's calling me and i was like who would be calling me right now and it, uh, it's an Anaheim, California number, so I'm assuming that's a spam call, so I'm just going to ignore that. Uh, but then hopefully call them back and mess with them when we're done recording. So It could be Mike Trout wanting to tell you that he wants to come to the Braves. Well, bring your hurt self on. We need somebody in the outfield. <laughs> Maybe it's Otani. Please trade for me. <laughs> well... Speaking then of apparel, you mentioned the blacksmith apparel. Let's talk about not blacksmith apparel. No, no, it's no no blacksmith apparel here. St. Galgano Armory is the sponsor of the Tire Fire. Uh, and it is the premier destination for all handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. They use traditional techniques to create a unique and stunning piece. Each, uh, each item that they make is embedded with the spirit of St. Galgano himself. It's a work of art crafted with care and attention to detail. They believe that quality and authenticity is paramount, and that's why they use the finest materials and take pride in their commitment to their tradition. A portion of all sales go back to a nonprofit that helps the community. Uh, it's something that we have. We, we don't all we don't just vouch for them. Uh, we are a customer, a faithful customer of theirs. Uh, You know, we have the hooks hanging in our house and our offices. We have the bottle openers in our drawers. In our kitchen? Mine's in my kitchen. Probably should have rethought that wording. but I don't know what drawer you keep yours in, but uh, this is a family-friendly podcast. uh, Well, sorry. Uh, But yeah, so, you know, we we not only, uh, you know, shout out their material, we we use their material. We feel like if we're going to shout it out, we should actually be using it and so we do and we take great pride in that so uh, you can check them out on all the uh all the social media platforms uh twitter instagram so on at at saint galgano and you can visit their store uh etsy.com slash shop slash saint galgano armory on uh, the word saint is actually spelled out so definitely recommend them to to check them out um on a side note, I, I I have a knife that I made. I've seen the the techniques that he used and and allowed me to use, and then made fun of me for using those techniques, uh, not as strongly as I probably should have at first. Uh, evidently, I didn't hit it as hard as I should have with the hammer thingy, uh, and I was told to beat it like it owed me money. So that was exciting. Well, it but was hot in there. It was stinking hot in there and my idiot self stood right by the Ford. Uh, but yeah, so no, I mean, it, it's pretty awesome. I, I know some people that are uh, going to be taking some classes to just see how it works and all that stuff that he's going to, going to be teaching coming up. So definitely check them out. Uh, 
good dude, great family, great company. So can't can't say enough good things about them. No, it still is the best bottle opener I've ever had. And it's a good conversation piece as well. And, and Keith, we love you. And you're going to have to start forging a chain for that big old clock you're going to have to wear as the flavor flavor of the podcast. Because last week we hit 667 downloads. So we're we're two thirds of the way there. Look, tell a friend to start downloading the podcast, okay? Tell them to give us one, give us one episode, and then you pick the episode and pick the least tire fire one of them. But uh, I really want to see Keith dressed up as Flavor Flav. Like that is on that is on my list. So if we could make this happen, come on, folks. That's what's going to get us canceled. That. Of all the things we've done, that's what's going to do it. All right. Well, Andy, I have here in the immortal words of Rush Limbaugh in my formerly nicotine-stained fingers. that That's going to get us canceled now that we've mentioned Rush. Although, RIP Rush, I always loved your show. Today's going to be a mailbag episode, Andy, because we have mail. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. Is that Blue's Clues? I think so. I was trying to think. I wish I knew the the AOL voice that said, you've got mail, but you you went and did it. So that was good. Good radio. That's what I'm here for. You could probably also edit that in later. Oh, remember, I have control. (laughs) What? (laughs) I hate you. Go on, read us the email. Well, we have an email from... Um, I know we when we talked about this in our in our pre-show prep, you were surprised that we have a a female listener. And I told you out of the the physical people that I know who I mean the people I know who physically listen to this that I know personally, half of them are females. So we have well, women listeners. And I, I said I wasn't gonna count our wives because I, I just assume they listen out of pity or like doctor wife. She listens and then tells me that my grammar is bad and uh, stuff of that sort. Well, this is from, she says we can use her name, Emily Anderson. Um, this could be a, this, this might just be somebody writing anonymously or as a as a pseudonym towards us. But her question did, is this. Did Emily Anderson, did she email us or did she tweet us? She emailed us. And did she put her like, Oh, I'm Emily Anderson from Sheboygan, no, Idaho. That doesn't say where she's from. Is Sheboygan Just in says, Idaho? Sheboygan is in Wisconsin. I was close. There may be one in Idaho, but the only one I know of is in Wisconsin. Well, well. Okay. But her question what, what is What you this. got for me, Emily? Her question, Emily says, the pandemic has brought about significant changes in how we worship and gather as, as the church. As we transition back to in-person services, how can we ensure that we maintain the intimacy and sense of community fostered during the lockdown period? What strategies or initiatives can churches implement to strengthen relationships and support one another in this new normal? May God's wisdom guide you. So I'll say this. I appreciate that. And, and, I, and I'll say this about her question. I know it, I think for some of us, depending on where we live, we might be like, well, what the heck are you talking about as we transition back? Haven't we done that already? And depending on where you live in the country, like I know 
some churches that have really only within this past year and, and almost really in the past six months started having in-person gatherings again, depending on where you live. Yeah. And so I, I have a question. I, I Maybe I misunderstood and, and maybe I wasn't paying attention completely. Did she say, how do we keep the intimacy that we got during the pandemic? That is correct. She says, how can we ensure that we maintain the intimacy and sense of community fostered during the lockdown period? And so I, so I have some questions about that, too. I mean, I have some thoughts on that question. Well, I just I want to know, like, is she talking like nationally how we all kind of felt like one community because we were all locked down um, trying to get through this? And, and or is there something else there? And then also like. I don't, and maybe it's because I was I was working full time for the church at that point. And well, and, that's a great point. Why well, I, I want to bring this question because I, I wasn't that there was a lot of intimacy. I didn't um, pastor through covid, but you did. I did. And now I'm doing it the post COVID and, and you're currently in a season where you're not. But so I think this is a good question for you to drive, but I'll say this about that period. I, I took her statement or her question about the ensure that we maintain the in, intimacy and sense of community is that a lot of churches did things to make you feel involved, right? The, the uh, parades around people's houses, right. For birthdays or seniors. And so like, so my thing is my my suggestion to Emily is that if your church wasn't doing things like this prior to COVID, people or continue to do it after, then there was something wrong there. That if you not, you know, that if if it took COVID for your church to realize, oh, we should be, you know, maintaining a sense of community amongst our body of believers, I think that's that's an issue with your church leadership that you should address. No, absolutely it is. Um, I, yeah, so I think one of the hardest things I did was pastor through the pandemic. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna do a controversial statement. Um, you can take it for what it is. I am in no way diminishing the role of the senior pastor. I'm not. And I can only speak from the church size and commitment uh, that I pastored. Um, I also, you know, and I, I've talked to others about this, but I think being a youth and family pastor through COVID and the church that was the size and I'm going to say lack of commitment um, during COVID, I think it was harder to be a youth pastor than to be the senior pastor because I was trying to connect with the kids and keep them involved. Um, I was trying to connect with the youth and figure out ways to keep them involved and then still helping with the adults as much as possible. Um, but trying to find ways to keep that intimacy, right? Because I could have a zoom call with my youth group and we would have those weekly. Um, but I don't know that I'd call that intimate at all um no and i think it was keeping the status quo i think the intimacy came before when we were meeting in our youth room and out in the community and and then when we got back together sure and i just want to speak into your statement because i i can't challenge or anything right because i did not i was not pastoring what you know in, in my my tenure 
at my church ceased right at the beginning, you know, basically of the pandemic. So I did not really pastor through that, but witnessing you and knowing that community, I think the, the issue that comes to, for you as a, as a family pastor in that situation is the fact that we were in this sort of pseudo rural community where internet is gold. It's a, it's a commodity, right? In the, in rural America, internet is, is if you can afford it, it's incredibly expensive and it's not necessarily reliable. And so it's really then those methods of Zoom calls and, and, and stuff like that, you're, you're going to lose some of those kids or you have the potential to lose some of those kids because internet at home, well, it's, it's just not a thing. You're muted. One day I'll learn to push the button. So on top of that, I, I think there's that. And then I think just the the fear, right? There was this is gonna sound extremely political, and here's my disclaimer. I have no political agenda when it comes to COVID. Trigger warning. So yes. I have no political agenda. I have thoughts that are my own thoughts, and I'm not going to share those here. Um because they're probably not exactly what you're thinking if you're listening to us. Um, there was a lot of fear-mongering throughout COVID. And I get it because there was a lot of unknown. And so when you go into a time frame or you go into an area or a season where there's a lot of unknown, everybody's afraid, right? That is the reason why me as a 38-year-old man am terrified of the dark and hold your hold your applause, cornfields. Because when you get in the dark or you're lost in a cornfield, there is a lot of unknown. Which way should I go? What happens if I keep going this way? Oh my god, is that a combine coming for me? I'm gonna be shocked. Like all the I don't even know if combines shock. Uh, what am I doing? Anyway, combines don't like, shock. They, they, not but... shock, shuck. Like you shock. Oh, I'm, shuck. I'm, I know oh, my oh, accent oh. is horrible. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, but so there's, where was I going with this? Oh, tire fire. You're afraid of cornfields in the dark, apparently. I did not know cornfields, but now I'm thinking. How did um, you not know cornfields? But all I'm thinking now is a live pod this October. I'm coming to the borough and we're doing a corn maze. I, look, we're going to, uh, you know, this will be shocking. I'm going to veer off for a second. Um, when we lived in Iowa, which there was, you know how in the South, there's a church on every corner. When we lived in Iowa, there was like a cornfield on every corner. Okay. Makes sense. And so the church that we were attending and serving at, I wasn't a pastor at all. This was before I was ordained, but you know, we were teaching Sunday school. I was running VBS. Um, Dr. Wife was running the nursery and something else, I think, um, but we were we were very active and involved in the church, and the youth director was like, hey, we're taking the youth on a trip. We'd like you to chaperone it. And I was like, sweet, let's go. Didn't even ask. And then like 10 minutes into our conversation, I was like, hey, man, where are we going this weekend? Because like I was the, the last person that they, they needed to be able to go, right? Because you had to have so many chaperones. Um, I was never like that, but that's not the point. <laughs> um. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going, uh, you know, we're going to Iowa City or Cedar Rapids or some town outside of us. And we're going to take the kids to do a, a haunted corn maze. 
And I said, I bet I'm not going now. And I didn't. They had to find some senior citizen to go and chaperone because I refused to go to the corn maze. And it wasn't because it was a haunted corn maze. I'd have went through a haunted house before I went through any type of corn maze. So yeah, very afraid. And now what was the question again? So so you're really thinking about the intimacy when she was she was saying yeah. about keeping the in, intimacy and community and you were like Oh I, yeah, I there's a, there's going... a lot of fear mongering because there's there's so there was so much unknown of you know, how do you get it? Where do you get it? Who's got it? Um people are dying. I don't want to die. I don't want to be the reason somebody dies. And so there's not a lot of intimacy during that because we're trying to keep everybody separate. Correct. And, and it was intimate for families because like, so let's take my, our church, you know, at Agape, Dave and myself and Dave's daughter, who, who was our, our producer and camera lady, director and producer galore. Uh, we would set up on Fridays and then we would record the, the kids message, uh, which are still, some of the funniest videos I think I've ever made. And we had a lot of fun making those. Um, I'll try to find the link to our um, couple of them where we did uh, a Rocky Balboa theme for, uh, for one of them. And then we did the, uh, Oh, Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And that was a fun one where I was um, Isaac and, Big Dave was was Abraham, and so that was that was good stuff. I almost got stabbed and then chased a kangaroo around. Uh, so I'll try to find those links and post them on our page because it's just good. Anyway, but then we would also record the uh, the adult or you know Dave preaching or on the Sundays and it was my Sunday to preach. We'd record me preaching an actual service, uh, and then we would throw those up on on Sunday morning, and you could watch them at home. And it's very intimate at home, right? Me and and Dr. Wife would sit and watch the sermon and, and the boys would come in and then we'd all watch me goof off with, you know, the kids sermon. And then we would get on Zoom and those who had the Internet, like we talked about, uh, would get on and we would do communion. Um, but I can't say that that was an intimate thing because I think intimacy, like you, you want closeness. But I do think it helped build a community because I bet I talked to more people during COVID than I did before COVID. Because before COVID, I had a one-track mind, right? I was in my office. I would write my my sermons for Sunday afternoons. Um, I would go to the schools and hang out with the kids. But, uh, you know, during COVID, I wasn't in the schools, right? Like, I was passing out lunches to, to students and their parents as they would come through our drive through for lunches. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on Zoom calls constantly with different pastors and, you know, the elders of our church and the leadership of the church. So it, I, I think COVID helped build some relationships. Um, and then, you know, you brought up the parades. We had, uh, we had quite a few shut-ins. Uh, in our church. And so we would, there would be a group of us and we'd get probably 10 cars. Uh, we'd meet at the church and then we'd, we'd have a parade route. You know, we'd drive through neighborhoods and uh, I have a, a sunroof in my truck and the boys would, you know, wait till we got in the neighborhood and then they would unbuckle and stand up through the, the, the moonroof or sunroof, whatever you call it. 
and you know they'd scream and wave and yell and we'd all be honking our horns and have streamers and just a way to let people know we were loving and missing them but i don't know that i would say it was intimate yeah and so i i wonder about the intimacy i mean i think and, if and I think about it and quite, emily i i am in no way diminishing your question or making fun of you don't don't take this wrong i'm just no, absolutely. You know, using my, my thoughts but quite possibly if she's part of a faith community where maybe then you know, you're having Zoom service, you're having some interaction, you are having conversations with people that you may have seen their faces before at church, right. but now because of this, so that, so it may have been a level of intimacy of getting to know people, even though you're not face to face. Oh, and I, and if that's the case, that that's a good thing. You, yeah. I, I do think the Zoom calls, it's easier to put a face with a name because if you have the setting right, you always have the speaker up, right? But then to the side, it has a list of everybody. Sure. As long as they're friends. using their names. As long as, yeah. And then teenagers. Um, so I think it's easier to put a face with a name, um, which helps. So I think that's a good thing. That may have been the best thing that came out of it is because you um, were able to put faces with names a lot easier when you get back. Like, oh, Steve, I remember seeing you on the Zoom. It's good to finally see you in person, brother. How you doing? Or, oh, sure. And it, I think dude, especially if you're see, I went, church I went through a cooking class with you, uh, you know, because, you know, some churches, they would, you know, to try to keep community going, they'd put on cooking classes and, oh, Susie, you know, that cooking class you put on and you taught me how to make the cheesecake and, and uh, you should probably make Andy a cheesecake and because Andy loves cheesecake as a plug. Andy Crow loves cheesecake. Um, you know, it's so good to finally meet you in person. And so I, I think that was a great thing. Um, but as as we so let's transition that question from my question about her question to to her question. And how do we continue to foster? And I'm going to reword it a little bit. How do we create that intimacy when we were separated for so long? Now we're back together. How do we create that intimacy and connection and keep that going? Now that right, because I just want. I want to say this about her question that I guess the one thing that I have a concern of, maybe concern's not the right word. And I'm not, um, again, we're not, we're not criticizing her wording. I, my fear is that again, I think for a lot of churches, I saw some guys who came up with some really creative ways to gather, right. Drive in churches where everybody pulled into the parking lot of the church and, and, and sat in their cars and they simulcasted over the radio, but they were still there instead of doing zoom church or, or live streams um, you know, and again, depending on where you lived in what part of the country you live in, because, you know, we see in parts in certain towns gathering and keeping the distance outside still led to arrests of, you know, leadership and things like that and, and, and breakups of that and, and being those being forced canceled by, by some municipalities, depending on where you lived. But my, my fear is that I, and I do think that there are some churches who said we have to do this. And so, you know, and I, I think, you know, 
I've seen it in multitudes of churches, right? The parades, like if it was your birthday, but we're going to parade the neighborhood. If for the homebound folks, we're going to parade the neighborhood. And at that point, we were all homebound. But I'll say this, if you're not visiting your homebound folks at your church, right? I'm going to say that you don't have to do parades. If they weren't doing this before and COVID was the trigger to get them to start doing it, then by all means, keep doing that now that that you've started that. Like, you don't have to say, well, post-COVID, we don't have to. Obviously, you're not going to parade the neighborhood in your cars anymore and not have that, you know, not have that real interaction while they sit on their porch or look through the window. Like, go visit these folks if you have homebound folks. Like, take them a cheesecake and say it's from yes. Andy Crow. And, and if you are in my area, by all means, bring me a cheesecake. I'll talk to you on the front porch. I might even that, share the cheesecake. That's my concern is that may quite possibly Emily's church may not have been doing these things and COVID spearheaded the leadership of her church to start doing those things. And by all means, I, I pray that they are continuing to build on, on what they started through the pandemic. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so now that the, the pandemic is over and we can say that it's over because, um, leadership in our country have said it's over the president said it's over he did so uh it's over I, you know wait pause for one second no i like, mean for, pause, for on your you no on that question hold your oh thought. i was real confused i was like you are the <laughs> producer hold hold that thought because i was in a barnes and noble bookstore last night here we go and three quarters of the staff are wearing masks and i'm like why what made a You've certain done it. You've done it. Certain. I didn't understand why they were all wearing masks. You gonna get us canceled. Emily, the question you have asked has sparked Chadwick, and now we're canceled. No, but we didn't even make it a year. I thought that was a it was just really funny and interesting to me that so many of these people at the store, it was a variety of ages, very young people, you know, maybe some middle-aged folks. Three quarters to to ninety percent of the staff at this bookstore were masked. So I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with: during the pandemic, I wore masks, mm-hmm. right? I, oh, I felt, sure. I felt like I felt like I need whether whether I thought or not. And let's be honest, I didn't do a lot of thinking. I just you know whatever. Uh, but I wore masks. Now my masks were fun. Um. But I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about July 21st, 2023. I'm talking about then because I'm about to I'm about to give my hot take. Like I wore a mask, you know, I subbed in the schools when they started to slowly come back. Uh, you know, we required masks at our church, uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of people. Um, and I mean a lot of people, but you know, we did it and I wore them and all that, but I giggled every time. I would be driving that so in Terre Haute, and if if you're familiar with that area, this will make sense. If not, then just enjoy my story. I would take the back way to church, meaning I would go get on, and I don't even remember the name of the road, but it was the East Side Walmart, whatever road goes in front of that. I would the take loop. the do what? You took the loop. Yeah, yeah, I'd take the East Side Walmart and then I'd get on the new bypass. And then I'd take that and our church is right off the bypass. But, and it never felt I would pass cars on the bypass because maybe I have a lead foot. Um, or I would pass cars 
on on the the street, the you know the the city streets, and there'd be cars with just one person in it. But by golly, while they were driving, they were going to have that mask on. And I thought to myself, who are you protecting? <laughs> what? Why are you wearing it when you're alone? It never I made still sense see, to me. I still see people doing that where I live. I, I see it on occasion here. And I, I, I just, it, I giggle every time. But anyway, let's, 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 before we get in a lot of trouble, let's get off that. Let's get back to Emily's question. Let's reel it back in. So I think it's the ways that we do this is now that we're back together. And again, you can speak more to this than I can because I'm not currently um, on staff. But I don't know that it necessarily falls totally at the staff's feet. And I'll fall on that sword whenever you want me to. I think as a church, as a member, we have to take accountability for our church. Um we have to be the ones because let's let's face it sunday mornings for a pastor like pre-worship right so before church starts um before the pastor gets in the pulpit to, to preach is probably let's say church starts at 10 30 from 9 45 to 10 45 that is probably the most stressful hour in, in the pastor's work week or in the pastor's week period because what if something goes wrong and you're getting pulled in 500 different directions because everybody wants a piece of your time. And I'm not saying as a pastor, my time's any more important than your time. I should be out there spending that time with you. But there's things that have to be done, right? You got to make sure this is happening. You got to make sure... If you slide, your slides are ready. You got to make sure the mics have batteries in them that work. You got to make sure that, you know, people are where they're supposed to be. And why isn't there a door greeter? Okay, let's go find the door greeter. Andy, why is the schedule not up for the door greeters? Um, You know, and so there's just thing after thing after thing that is going on in that hour that the pastor has to take care of. And us as the congregants, us as the... As the church body, we have to step up and, oh, there's a guest. We should probably make sure that they feel welcome. Oh, there's there's a little bit of trash on the floor. I need to tell the pastor so we can make sure that the church gets cleaned better. Or, hear me out, we can go pick it up. Right? There's people waiting in line at the welcome center, which never happens, but let's just say for the sake of conversation and my argument that people are waiting to get to the welcome center to to get information and they can't get there well instead of just standing there going man we really need more people working in that welcome center like what are we doing maybe go talk to those people like engage oh and you know like oh surely she had surgery a couple weeks ago and she's finally back i wonder how she's doing well don't wait for the church to send an email about how Sister Shirley is home from the hospital and, and doing great. Well, she's there. Go talk to her. Mm-hmm. She's obviously out of the hospital and home, so stop by the house. You don't have to go in. Maybe she doesn't want you in. Maybe she's a curmudgeon. But stop in and just be like, hey, Shirley, I just want to make sure you don't need anything. Like, I, I was worried about you. I've been praying for you. You know, what is it that you need? And so I think... It's not on the church leadership to maintain that intimacy, um, to use Emily's word. 
um, and closeness, it's on the congregation. And that's going to push a lot of people out of their comfort zones. Um, and I will say what I've said since, you know, I've, I've been in church leadership and pastoring. Um, good, get out of your comfort zone. God didn't call you to be comfortable. Nothing about the walk of a Christian should be comfortable. Um, but I, I think it's on us as congregants. And I can say that pretty pretty faithfully since I've been on both sides of that aisle. I've been the pastor on Sunday mornings and I've been the pew setter on Sunday mornings. And I, so I know, so let's take my church, for example, and then I promise I'll stop talking and let you talk. Um, you know, I know on Sunday morning exactly what Connor and Jackson are going through, mm -hmm. right? Maybe not so much Jackson because he's dealing with the music, but he's also the tech guy. So like I've been the tech guy, right? So I, I know what, what, and Connor being the senior pastor, trying to make sure that everything is not perfect, but everything is good and settled and all while trying to not sweat through your shirt. So when you get on stage, you don't look like you just got out of the ocean because there's something about Sundays as a pastor that made me sweat profusely, no matter what time of year it was. But I, I think it's our job to jump in and help and to, to put boots on the ground and be a representation of Jesus Christ to these people that are coming. No, that's a good word. Full stop. No, that's a good word. I, I, I think, you know, and, and what you're leading into, right. Is this, I, I ultimately what it is, right. Is discipleship. And the argument is that a lot of, people make is that discipleship is a is a ministry and should be something that is only done by leadership or by the pastors and and by all means yes you pastors should be discipling but we're called to make disciples um we should be discipling right you think about titus 2 the older with the younger um those are and i don't i don't necessarily always mean i think that that verse about older with the younger doesn't necessarily mean physical age as much as it even means maturity in Christ. You could be a 27-year-old, extremely mature believer who's befriended a 65-year-old new Christian. And so feed into them. Um, but I think it's discipleship. And I think what, to piggyback off of Emily's question and what you said, I think we need to prioritize community building, right? Because the one thing I will say this about the pandemic, this was not because of the pandemic, but the pandemic revealed the hunger for human connection. And post-pandemic, the world is not giving us back that human connection, right? If you've been to Walmart or Kroger lately, you are now the checkout person and the bagger, right? You, there's no, So even that little bit of human interaction of, of talking to the, the checkout person or, or the person who was bagging your groceries or at Walmart, that's gone, right? Everything's DoorDash, deliveries, drive-through, really limited interaction most of the doordash deliveries right are like just it's still the pandemic option just leave it at my door i don't even want to see you um i'm not going to work right i'm working i'm working 40 some odd hours but i'm not leaving my house amazon's bringing me everything and so the world's really pushed us as a as a convenience and i think there's there's a huge just disastrous result that's going to happen because there has always been a hunger for human connection. And we are made 
to have human connection. And I think the pandemic revealed that there is a real hole in that. And the best place, I think, to really s- stop that hole is the church. I mean, the church should always emphasize strong communal ties, right? So if your church doesn't do it, hopefully they're doing, um, you guys are, are doing small groups, Bible studies, discipleship programs. And I'm not saying programs for program's sake, but things that will foster genuine relationships within your church that lead to spiritual growth, that lead to that intimacy of mutual support. And by by actively engaging, if the members are actively engaged, right? If church members are actively engaged in their lives, um, I think then the church is seen as that beacon on the hill, as that vibrant community where someone from the outside who needs that, has that hunger for human connections, like, oh, this could be a good place. Oh, absolutely. Um, so just to, to finish up on on her question, um, I think from March, well, really, we'll go February of 2020 because we were we were in Florida, I think, in February of 2020 when it all started happening. You and I were the week before. Like, right. Basically, we were there the week it all came crashing down. I think patient five was in Florida, and we, I think, were on the plane with him. Um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so I think from February of 20 of 2020 to realistically June of last year, the you're welcome. The world, the sorry, I sent Chad a tweet because I'm professional, um, making fun of the Red Sox, and it was worth it, I think. But back to what I was saying, I think from February of 2020 to June of last year, like the world literally turned upside down. It was like a bad Hamilton reference. Right, the world turned upside down, and nobody knew what to do, and so we were grasping at straws. I think theologically, it took a lot of people off course, um, an accelerated poor theology. Um, right. So I think one thing with the church our really needs to do is we have to reclaim doctrinal clarity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a good point you're making. So not only did the world turn upside down, I think the bride of Christ got turned upside down. Um, and, and we, you know, started preaching some crazy things. People we know and, and, and love started preaching some crazy things. Um, and so, and really through June, like things were weird and iffy and, and of last year and weird and iffy and we didn't know what to do. And, and now we're just being told to, all right, go back to this new normal. So I think as we do it, as we put one foot in front of the other, right, and we're we're creating a new normal, I think we have to find where the pieces fit together. So Emily, um, you are a puzzle piece in this in, within your walk with Jesus, right? You are a puzzle piece in this walk with Jesus that we call life, um, and so you have to find where you fit with the the little c church meaning the church that you're with um you have to find out where you fit where can you serve where can you add where can you receive right i'm not just saying you have to give and give and give and give and give uh because you want to get something out of it too right you want to be fed but so where can you be fed where can you feed and then what is where does that little piece that fits into your your little c church where does that piece that you create because we as a body at our local church, we create a, a small piece to the big C church puzzle, right? So your little piece then creates a bigger piece 
that fits into the the bigger puzzle of life. And so when you're uh, contributing to your church and everything that's going on in your church and in your community, that will then feed into the big C church and the community and the world. And so as we're doing this and as we're one, so, you know, Emily, I don't know where you're from, uh, but know that, that I'm trying to figure out where I fit in at, at the church that I'm attending right now. Uh, Chad is trying to figure out how he fits in as the pastor of a church uh, and, and where he is at right now. And know that the puzzle pieces work we are and we're creating hopefully will fit with the puzzle piece that you are and you're creating. And we can have an impact on this world for good uh, while sharing Christ. And so I think the short and long answer of your question is everybody's going to have to dive in headfirst and just do it. You know, if you want to maintain intimacy and relationships, uh, there's no easy way to build relationships. It's always awkward and and hard. You look like in the beginning, you look like a baby giraffe trying to walk. You're just all knees and elbows, right? And falling around and stumbling. But then eventually you get a grasp and you, you start to fit in. You start to love people. And then that love radiates from the circle and it's a ripple effect. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And assuming that we're, you know, doctrinally sound, the gospel is going to move forward. While 2020 through really today, even the gospel has taken a step back to culture. I think if we do what we should be doing and those ripples continue to, to do their ripply thing, the gospel will start to move forward again. Much Amen. to the chagrin of, 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 fake pastors fake news well, fake and, pastors around the nation amen and, and actually emily and for all of you I, I have a recommendation uh for anybody that's looking how to navigate a post-covered world through the church and there's a book it's not a very big book but it, it's a it's a good book called rediscover church why the body of christ is essential and it's written by colin hansen and jonathan lehman and emily i will I will respond to your email, and if you send me your address, I will send you a copy of this book. But that's my encouragement for each and every one of you is grab this book, Rediscover Church by Colin Hansen and Jonathan Lehman. And while it does look at the church in a post-COVID world, um, this book, if you remove COVID from it, this is what the church should have been doing, um, both as leadership and as members, like Andy talked about, um, in a pre-COVID world. So this is a it's a great book, great recommendation. That's some good stuff, Andy. Look, sometimes a blind squirrel gets a nut. What's been good for you? What what you have any recommendations? What 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 have you enjoyed lately? Oh, you went to Bucky's. You you've been I baptized did. into Bucky's. I went to Bucky's. Um, so my uh, one of my buddies at work that uh, generally, if one of us has to do a home visit or a transport, we volunteer the other one to go with us because our personalities click really well. We're both idiots, um, and we just we have a lot of fun with our job, you know. And a job that is as serious as ours and um, as as taxing on mentality as it can be, um, we have a lot of fun. And so we had to to pick a gentleman up uh, and meet 
P and P on the other side of the state and London, so they could continue to take him. If you go to West Virginia and turn around five miles, that's where he's at. Um, but so on our on our way there, we drop him off, and we decide instead of going back the same way, we're just going to make a circle. Uh, we go up to Richmond and then hit the Bucky's there because you know we had to get gas anyway. And I'd never been. Hicks had been to Bucky's before. Uh, and he kept telling me how great it was. And I was like, ah, I'm sure it's okay. Um, my jaw hit the floor when I walked in. It was like Hobby Lobby and Walmart and a 7-Eleven. Right? Just all in one, only clean. With the cleanest public restrooms you will ever find. I didn't, I didn't make it to the bathroom because I have a thing about public restrooms. Uh, you will that, not have a thing at Bucky's. I think I would. Um, I, I think I would, but I'm not, not now Bucky's. If you're listening, you know, every man's got a price. So you sponsor us. I'll come use your bathroom. But, um, no. So like I walk in and, um, I, the first thing we, we bought a bunch of fudge. Um, and I'm not a fudge eater. Like I don't, I don't necessarily care for fudge, but, uh, the, the cookies and cr- cream fudge that that i got i devoured pretty quick um and then i got some m&m fudge uh, red velvet maybe one other kind i don't know but it was good uh, and then i got some lego block candy that was pretty awesome and also um, are you 12 i am i am yeah do i need to go are we gonna go back to the christmas episode with candy with me <laughs> That's um right. So if you are a mature adult, now's a good time to skip forward like a minute in the podcast, okay? But if you're like like me, um, hang out because the the Lego block candy, it's just Bucky's block candy. They look like little Legos. You can actually build them into something. Um, I know because I've done it. Um, but the Legos, when you eat them... Um, Whatever dye they use is like the same dye that Walmart uses for cake icing. And so whatever that is, it does something to your insides. And then when things come out, it is like neon colors and you're not expecting it. And so Bucky's really was like the gift that kept on giving. Because even after I've eaten most of my candy, like it's still fun to giggle about. Um, but also their brisket, shout out to them. Because when you can get a group of grown men to sing the brisket song while chopping brisket, while a fat man is standing there with a smile on his face, um, and that fat man was me, like shout out. You deserve everything you have. So you were all I'm, kinds of wrong. Yeah, I took I took this podcast like I just threw another torch on the fire, man. I will, um, I will say this: if you live in a state that you've been blessed with a Bucky's, um, yes. If you're on a road trip, cleanest bathrooms you will ever find, and you must have, except for Andy, because it has ingredients he won't eat. You must get the Texas cheesesteak burrito. It is it is a Philly cheesesteak burrito made with brisket and a little Texas flair, and it is amazing. They also have a giant sausage on a stick, like a big kielbasa sausage that has an unnecessary tortilla wrapped around it, but it was good. Um, I appreciate that. 
But yeah, like so, and also uh, Kentucky friends. So we have one in Richmond, but they're also in the process of building one in Bowling Green. Um, which is if you're not from Kentucky, you look it up. If you are, you know exactly where it's at. Um, and I didn't realize that until we drove by it on our way to where we were taking the gentleman. So um, that'll be like an hour from me. So I, I could Worth literally see. Yeah, I think this, you know, when it opens in like six months to a year, um, I could see me waking up in the morning and be like, hey, doctor wife, load the kids. We're going to Bucky's. And yeah, Bowling Green has too. To- Bowling Green tries too hard to be a hipster town, so it needs a little Bucky's in it. Yeah, so we went to Bowling Green not too long ago to the Corvette Museum, and if you've never been there, highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, I derailed this quick with my talk of... I, I led you down the Bucky's rabbit hole. So you led me down the Bucky's rabbit me, hole, me, and then I had to, and then I had to let you know about the food coloring. Well, let me reel this back in. If you do, if you are blessed with the Bucky's, um, it's a good place to check out. Uh, it, I know you might just think it's just a gas station, but ultimately, it's the best gas station food you will ever get in your life. Um, I, I do have regrets that I didn't buy the Bucky's bobblehead beaver. Now I know it was twenty bucks, and my wife would have beat me, but I just. I have regrets. Okay, I'll send you one when I'm back in Texas. Just know that I have regrets. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, as we we wrap this up, and I don't know if we're going to give you the last word today. I think you've had some candy. Look, Dr. Wife and the boys are out of town. I may have had fudge and candy for breakfast. Eating those Lego candies, hoping for later. That's right. Like, this is going to be fun in about four or five hours. Hey, check out the fine folks at San Cagano Armory. Check out their merchandise at etsy.com slash shop slash St. Calgano Armory. And Andy, that's a good point. Saint is spelt out, not the abbreviation. And they're on Twitter and Instagram at St. Calgano. Check us out on Twitter at Hill Hipster Pod. You can email us like Emily hillhipsterpod at gmail.com and don't forget hit us up on twitter use the hashtag tire fire tell us how you started listening to the tire fire and you will get one of these well we're going to randomly pick two and you can get one of these lovely lovely hillbilly and hipster t-shirts and then we're going to encourage you to tweet us pictures of those t-shirts in the wild that's right I'm excited. I wore mine to church for a little shameless plug last week. But uh, they're slimming. I don't know if they will be after I've washed it, but uh, first time don't I wore dry it, it. it was, Well, no, I don't dry my shirts anyway. Dang things keep getting smaller. Uh, but no, it's a slimming shirt. I'll tell you that. It made me look not as robust. Why well, we give a shout out to Annika Bruno, who was the maker of the t-shirts that we'll have so help take the design that we put together as a placeholder some 18 months ago and it's become our our logo and so she kind of tweaked it a little bit and put these shirts together so um shout out to annika two kids on a whim talking on the internet <laughs> look where we've gotten ourselves all right, 400 word, downloads. Brother. We're 400 downloads away from our own favorite flame. Let's from do getting it. a grown man to dress as flavor flame. <laughs> oh man, I love you guys. Thanks for putting up with us and welcoming us to your 
your eardrums. You know, we we appreciate this more than you know. Uh, we ha- we definitely have fun with it. We hope that you have fun listening. We hope that you get something out of it. Um, you know, and our, our really our prayer is for you not only to, to have fun and, and to love us, please love us, but uh, is for you to love Jesus more right? uh, Amen. and be willing to come out of your comfort zone and just share Jesus with people, Amen. you know, share, share the gospel, be a walking billboard for the, for the gospel cause. And so that's, that's my last word. That's a good word. So I'll leave you with this just for everybody listening. Just remember that the Lord is with you and he is for you. Be blessed. Deuces. Where's the record button to stop it?